Welcome to the Over What Hill 40 Plus Podcast, where we talk about everything that you can do to stay healthy, feel great, and live life to your fullest over 40. All right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Bronson, and we are talking with Nicole Carter. Um, Nicole is a, what's your official, do you have an official title, gut health specialist? Like, what do you do? Um, you know, I, I have many titles, but let's just, for the sake of simplicity, call it health coach. Health coach. Okay. All right. So you're a health coach because you kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. So I've been following you for a while. I don't remember who followed who first, but I know I started watching your stuff and looking at what you've got. You've got really good information. I like how you break things down so people can understand. That's kind of like what I like about what I do on the fitness side. There's a lot of exercise science stuff that you can really get in the weeds and people kind of look at you like, okay, that, what does that mean in my make life? Make it simple. Yeah, they're like, it? make it simple for me. Right. So- what is, what got you into being a health coach? How did, what's your story? What got you started? Yeah. So it's, it's really evolved over the years. Um, when, let's see. So back in, I'm going to say 2003, mm-hmm. um, I graduated from my master's degree in public health and around that time before I actually went back to let me think. All right. So I was a personal trainer before that, put myself through regular school. My undergrad is in psychology. And then um, I did a herbal medicine uh, online training and I loved it. It was about five years of back when online school wasn't even like a thing. And, um, and I just, uh, I really shifted out of the field. I love psychology. Now I'm coming back from full circle, but um, I, I kind of started, you know, out moving more towards health. I've just always had a calling to help people. And um, I graduated um, uh, grad school in 2003. And then I had my son right away, who's um, getting ready to go off to college. So that wow. tells you how long I've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. So I came to grad school. And because I just had a baby, I decided that I didn't want to go into the corporate life. Um, I wanted to have more flexibility and be at home. So I started teaching for the university in, uh, as a health educator and doing community health. And, um, and so through that, I would meet people that would want more help than what I offered in the class. They really wanted the one-on-one and, you know, mm-hmm. well, my issue is different. And so um, I, fell into it that way and all kinds of different things, you know, issues with health, weight loss. And, and, um, I was in the hippie stage of (laughs) my parenting. So I, I had all my, I had my two kids at home. And so I got in connected with like the home community. So I did a lot of one-on-one work with pregnant moms and nursing moms and, you know, that, that whole field, which was super cool. Love that. And then, um, you know, my life as my life evolved, so did my work. And, um, so I, you know, did a lot around fitness as 
and around parenting and natural parenting. And I just did a lot of one-on-one work with people outside of what I was teaching in the curriculum at the university uh, I taught at UNLV. So so then uh, fast forward some years and uh, I mean, I guess my coaching, so I think it was about 2012, I relocated to California and, um, you know, wanted to kind of go more into coaching and weight loss seemed to be the demand. And so I did a lot of work with people there. I developed the six week slim down course, which I still have people doing very successfully, um, and, uh, fully, uh, surrounding nutrition. And I enjoyed that. And I taught for, uh, I taught for many years in Pilates, uh, sorry, bar and yoga, and okay, now cool. a little bit of Pilates too. Um, so that kind of gave me like a good kind of well-rounded strategy for well, for wellness and for, uh, fitness and weight loss and nutrition and all that. So I I always forget about Pilates. People ask me about uh, fitness things. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, what's best. And I always forget to add Pilates to the list of things. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had an injury from running Mm -hmm. because I was a distance runner for many years ran marathons and all that and I had some injuries and so um, that's how I got into doing bar because it was what I the only thing I could do right and so bar and Pilates became kind of my go-to and they really helped to transform my body and get my strength back without hurting myself I love running but you know as you know probably not the best thing for your body if you've got (laughs) hip and joint pain yes you've got issues uh oh yeah so and I had a lot of physical issues so anyway I um I kind of got you know into that space and then um and then I had a lot of trauma happen in 2012 2013 and I think that is what kicked up this next phase of my life which was all about gut health and I was diagnosed in I think it was 20 13 with ulcerative colitis. Um, and I can't tell you the misery, only a person with that disease knows, um, and gut health issues. It's awful. And I tried everything and I, I really went through seven years of hell, um, trying to figure it out and finally was successful with it. And then once I got to that point, um, you know, when you have something that you, that, that rules your life and is so difficult and you finally come to figure it out right you've like won the lottery or better right you gotta you you feel the need to show every person that's ever suffered with that ailment how to fix it and that's really since then has become my passion so my my health coaching is still very broad and i help people with lots of different things but Mm -hmm. um i've really focused now in the last couple years on gut health and hitting it hard this year with uh, all of my YouTube videos this year are, have been and will be for a full year, heavy focused on gut health. Um, so that I share well, everything I've learned in uh, my professional life, my personal life. And um, I'm also a researcher. So I continue, even though I've been symptom free for three years, I continue to do the research, ah, right? What? Like, without, wait, 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 without medication? Without medication. Holy crap. Yeah. How did that even happen? Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about. So <laughs> this, is, and this is the issue is that everybody that comes to me, they've been told by their physicians and, 
and I don't mean to be respectful to the physicians listening, um, because I do have a lot of respect for certain things. You know, I was a recipient of medical attention a few times that saved my life. I had appendicitis this year. And so it's not that, but for this, this situation, uh, far too many people go see their doctors and they're told, you know, just take this medication, uh, diet doesn't really matter, you know, just you have to take the drugs and eventually you'll probably end up getting your colon out. I mean, the prognosis for folks that have inflammatory bowel disease is, is awful. And I want to change that. I want to help people to heal um, and to, you know, see the optimism in life and, and get there. And also, you know, the drugs aren't meant to heal. They don't. They will help with the symptoms in some cases, but even then they don't always do that. And they come with a lot of risks. Right. Absolutely. I tell people that all the time, like, you know, I don't, there's a mentality that we have in society that if you take a drug, you're, you're, you're fixing yourself. It's like, no, you're not. I know people that have, I know people that have Crohn's that are like, I'm healed from Crohn's as long as I take this medication. And like those two things don't, that that's that's not how that works <laughs> i don't think no, this word means the word you know what you think it means um yeah so so damn the body and i know people that have been on the drugs for years and they have to get regularly uh scheduled blood work to check their liver enzymes because mm-hmm. it's just so tough on the body so yeah. you know i get it when you are in that situation anything to make you feel better you're willing to do it yep. um but unfortunately, people don't realize that there is a better way. And I, you know, I'm sure there are other people that have gone through my experience and are teaching others, but this has become the focus of my life, my work. Like, I just can't stand to see another person fall for that uh, <clears throat> nonsense yeah. when they can be, you know, doing much better. So, awesome. Awesome. So that's so, aim to be. <laughs> okay. So you're, you said that this whole year is focused on gut health. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, what is the gut? How, what does our gut have to do? Right. When people think of the gut, I think it's, it's much more widely understood now over the past couple of years than it maybe was five years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think still mm-hmm. in general, there's a lot of people that really don't have a good understanding of what the gut is. And it's more than just right. your stomach. It's more than just, okay, maybe even your intestines or your digestive tract. I think a lot of people think of their gut as, okay, it's my digestive tract. Okay, well, that's part of it. There's a lot more. Can you kind of give us a a breakdown of what the gut actually is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we refer to gut health, we're talking about, um, yes, your digestive system, but for the most part, the intestinal lining and um, your microbiota. So this is like a fancy word for saying, you know, your the gut, the 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 intestinal tract from mouth to anus, and the bugs that live in it. And so when um, when we have a disruption with either of those areas, it infiltrates almost all the other areas of our health. And I'll give you a couple examples. So when the gut lining is inflamed, so most of the people that have these problems are dealing with inflammatory bowel disease. So we will call that IBDs. And um, IBDs 
can be a result of many things, but they all are from inflammation in the intestinal lining. And so this can be from the, uh, the flora, the gut flora being out of balance, which is very common mm -hmm. due to antibiotic resistance and foods and things that kill our uh, natural organisms in the gut. We have like several pounds, I think five pounds or more of actual good bacteria living in our intestines. We should, but wow. many of us don't. I didn't realize it was that much. Um, yeah, there Sorry you go. about that. Okay. That's okay. So, so yeah, we have a lot of um, bacteria that help us. Yeah, it's a lot. And when that gets thrown off, um, our digestion is off. We can be more inflamed. So there's that piece. And then the other piece of it is, and I'm just putting these into two buckets, right? Yeah. The, the microbi my microbiota, they call it, or the flora the bacteria balance, and mm -hmm. then the intestinal lining integrity. So when the intestinal lining becomes chronically inflamed, um, basically what happens is that lining is like really tight fitting tissues, right? And when it becomes inflamed, it kind of opens up and that right. um, allows for little tiny microscopic gaps in the tissue where particles can make their way through the intestinal lining. That so a couple problems here, right? They're not supposed okay. to. So that's kind of the lead into autoimmune diseases where the body attacks itself because it's attacking mm -hmm. these foreign invaders that are going into your body and aren't supposed to be into your bloodstream. Um, and the other problem with that is when we are inflamed in the gut, we don't absorb a lot of nutrients and things don't work right. Like um, a lot of people don't realize the connection to the brain you know, mm -hmm. your gut is called your second brain because gonna, you have, ask about that. yeah, okay. Yeah. Because you've got like trillions of neurons in your gut. So a lot of people that come to me that have depression and anxiety, we fix their gut and we fix that problem. And awesome. it's because of all the neurons that are in the gut that, you know, they need to be repaired. So we have to set the tone for all the things that rely on gut health, meaning balanced gut flora and integrity of the intestinal lining. We have to have those things in place in order to absorb our food properly, in order yeah. to have positive brain function um, because of the neurons in the gut. Um, we have to, you know, we got to be able to feed our good bacteria. And if you can't tolerate foods, like someone in a really bad position, a lot of my clients, they can't tolerate any plant foods. And so they're limited to a very small amount of prebiotic fiber in, you know, like, um, collagen and things like that. So the more damaged you are, the more limited you are in what you can eat. Um, we're so gonna, unfortunately, we're going to come back to that because I, we're going to come back to that because they actually have okay. fiber and pre and pre, pre and probiotics in meat as one of my okay. topics. So we'll come back to that. You're Let's hitting everything that. and I haven't even asked you these questions yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can see my, my brain is, my wheels are always turning around yeah. this. I live it. So I am healed. Um, my brain is still there because we have such a mountain to climb here yeah. with reaching people that are with this. The worst thing in the world for me is when someone reaches out to me saying, yeah, I just had my colon removed and I have a J pouch and you know, what can we do? And I'm like, oh, uh, I wish I would have, you know, gotten hold of you before. six months ago. 
Ever. I'm the same. No, I'm the same way when people talk to me and they're like, "Hey, I'm considering," or "I'm already scheduled for a gastric bypass or a band or other things." And I'm like, yeah. "Please, I like. I, I don't want to tell them just cancel it and reschedule or cancel it because you don't need it." But it's like, yeah. I, I, ah, it's so hard. Um, well, there's it, a piece of that too. Though. People are really fearful, and when they get to that position where they're scared, they will do kind of whatever mm -hmm. they're told yeah by the by the yeah. industry or the institution that they trust right yeah. uh, that's not that's mainstream information because that information is safe right so and that's the scary part it's they're yeah. going with information that's safe because they need something safe because they're scared as they are and this being scared of that whatever may happen to them unfortunately doesn't make them lean towards the option that is also scary and new and different it makes them go towards stuff that's safe and known. So well, it's kind of yeah. A, There's this whole indoctrination, right, about mm -hmm. where people generally trust their doctors right. to tell them what's best to fix them. So you know, there's one this personal responsibility. It really comes down to we have to you know deal with our own health and not put it on other people. We see this happening a lot right now, where yeah. <laughs> you know it's not someone else's responsibility it's your own and right. people don't want to take responsibility for themselves so sadly that's part of why we are in this position and why yep. you probably have so many clients right and then the other piece is that we've been indoctrinated through years of school and media um in the institution that says you know you trust the guy with the white coat and again mm -hmm. no disrespect to the physicians listening but but there comes a point where they are not working in the areas they should be like most yeah. doctors receive little to nutrition education. And so I don't think that with something like, you know, inflammatory bowel diseases, they're going to be very helpful for people because that is a digestive disease. Yeah. Well, and just in general, the doctors are not trained in prevention. They're trained in repair, right? They're trained and, how to fix and things. In yeah they're tr they're trained in okay this is broken let's fix it not how do we keep it from breaking in the first place and how does this one problem over here tie into this other piece of the body that's functioning and hey maybe if i fix what your gut is doing then i can fix you know your mental health if, if i fix what is happening or it's like in in fitness when someone comes to me and says hey i'm having this problem or my shoulder hurts most of the time, it's not that it's not that there's something wrong with their shoulder. It's how they're using their shoulder. Yeah, that's where the pain is yeah. coming from. It's how they're using it. It's not because their shoulders deformed or malfunctioning. It's just because they're not doing something properly on their day to day habits. So if you fix the habits, we fix the problem. If I just give them an ice pack and some ibuprofen, then the pain's going to go away. But All it's right. not fixing the problem that's called that's the root cause, right? So getting the root cause right. is really the thing. Um, and I think what you said, you, you were talking about mental health. I really like the, I like this conversation because I think if more people understand that literally what they put into their mouth affects every aspect of their body, not just from a body composition, not just from a, you know, muscle protein synthesis or fuel capacity or any of that kind of stuff, but also from a, you know, hormones, mental health efficiency, inflammation, like all of these things, like literally what you put into your body affects every aspect of your health. 
and, yeah. and understanding the gut is really understanding that connection between when we say food is medicine, because what you put in, you know, and I'm actually kind of on a kick my, right now for, for a lot of reasons, but I'm on a kick right now, getting people to understand that when you're fixing your gut, when you're fixing your nutrition, you're actually not getting, you're not improving your health. And this is a, a play on words. You're not improving your health. You're bringing your health to normal. Right. You're not yeah. doing right because you're below and you're bringing yourself up to where That's you should right. be in the first place. This isn't something like, oh my yep. God, you know, this is amazing. I'm super healthy now. No, this is, oh my goodness, I'm normal. Right. But yeah. No people are on this continuum, right? And like the people that are really sick are at the very, you know, very weak end of the continuum. And you got your people that live what they think they've done better, but this is like how we should be. And then people that excel, but most people are way down here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just understanding this, this conversation, I think, I hope is going to help a lot of people. Um, you said something about the gut lining mm -hmm. and when the gut lining is inflamed, that's when we start getting problems with a lot of different things. Yes. Okay. What inflames the gut lining? Hmm. I love this question. Um, okay. So <laughs> inflammation is going to be caused by, again, we'll put them in buckets. So toxins, which can be environmental, um, mm -hmm. medications, food, the foods, you know, that contain actual like glyphosate is in everything. And it's very well known to disrupt the gut lining, um, because of the inflammation mm -hmm. and it's everywhere. So it's kind of endemic at this point. Yeah. It's in everything, you know. Um, so toxins are one of the biggest ones. So that can be a broad bucket of, mm -hmm. of different things. Um, and then we have irritants. So this would be the naturally occurring, not necessarily a toxin, but let's mm -hmm. say like in, you know, plant-based diets incorporate a lot of legumes, yeah. beans. Right. And beans are very high in lectins and lectins irritate the gut and cause it to be inflamed. So that's just an example of irritants. Other things. Um, can I be thought beans were high in protein. They are. But uh, unfortunately, they also are you know, high in lectins. So if you have a gut issue, they are not going to be helpful. I mean, some people can do fine with them, but usually it's the folks that don't have gut issues. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I only know this because I lived it. I was vegan yeah. for about 15 years, you know, and then oh, I swung I didn't know the other. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, I learned a lot about, I think that's part of what kind of set the tone for my, my gut issue that came to be colitis is, you know, I was eating a lot of inflammatory foods and irritants. You know, I was always very holistic and never took drugs. I did the herbal medicine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. always very athletic. It was more, I think naturally, I'm going to say irritants. That's why yeah. Yeah. different like toxins. These are the things that are in foods and people um, really don't recognize that they could be unhealthy. I'll give you another example. Uh, kale, like for the longest time, everybody thought that kale was like the cat's pajamas, right? Oh, gotta have <laughs> <kale> salad. <laughs> and what we learned um, was that it's, you know, very irritating to the gut because 
we don't digest it. We don't break down cellulose because we're not a ruminant animal with a rumen to do so. Yep. And I think just, you know, escaped many of us. And when the whole push towards the leafy greens and the vegetables, I think honestly, that was a big part of my problem is that I ate as much green food and green leafy vegetables as I could choke down. Yeah. Um, both in the form of uh, salads, but also like I put those things in the blender yep. and drink them yep. every day. And yep. So, you know, these things now to me thing like ridiculous, but, <laughs> but the, the irritants, right? <laughs> so um, we got, we've got uh, toxins, irritants mm -hmm. and stress. Okay. So stress is another big bucket because it can be one like trauma. So mm -hmm. a lot of people ha are finding, and I push, put up some research about this um, trauma. So tra traumatic events oftentimes does initiate some of these inflammatory bowel diseases. It's not that the tinder for the fire wasn't there, but it's like the match. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. And one reason is um, it's very inflammatory. Stress is very inflammatory, partly because it increases the cortisol hormone so much yes. and adrenaline and right, all the stress hormones. Um, but also there's this component um, regarding the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve mm -hmm. is a cranial nerve, goes all mm -hmm. the way through your body, it innervates your digestive system. And um, okay. part of... Yeah, and so sometimes people that have had trauma or a lot of stress, they need to work on their vagal tone because it affects their digestive system. Another way that stress impacts on the gut health and causes inflammation is it impairs digestion. So I'm sure you know how when we are in the fight or flight mode, which doesn't mean a lion has to chase you down the street. It means right. when we're under a lot Stress. Like, look at a person's life. They're multitasking. Maybe they're mm -hmm. parenting and working. Maybe they've got a lot of worries. A lot of it is perception, you know, yeah. how we perceive stress. Um, but nonetheless, if you're in that fight or flight mode, whatever the cause is, one of the reactions of your body being in um, that sympathetic state is the reduction of hydrochloric acid. So our digestion becomes really impaired. Right. Slows way down. So do people slow down their eating? Nope. They, they, eat, they probably eat worse and even yeah, more things. Yeah. That are to so you got people stressed out, impaired digestion, stuffing in things that are difficult to digest anyway. And so that combination creates also a lot of inflammation in the gut. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. So, so there's those, those are the three main buckets that I mm -hmm. like to put things into. Um, okay. Doesn't mean there's more, but yeah. Those are okay. kind of the big. So there are a couple more that I want to talk about because I saw a post maybe a week ago. I don't remember how far I was looking through your feed and it hit me because over the past several weeks, I'm in a ton. I'm in so many different Facebook groups of, of all kinds of stuff. And I see all these questions all the time, but I feel like over the last couple of weeks, I've been seeing a lot of people asking about certain foods being keto and having um, thickeners and maltodextrin. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So you had a post recently that said three foods that damage the gut, GMOs, gums, and maltodextrin. Yep. Um, I wanted to add a fourth one if possible, and that would be sweeteners as well. Because I know a lot of people who are carnivore, but they still do diet sodas. 
and they still have gut issues. They still have issues. They can't, they can't ever seem to either get out of the diarrhea phase or the constipation phase, or they have all these issues. And I'm like, just stop drinking the diet sodas. Like everything else is great with what you're doing, but you're still drinking two or three diet sodas a day. That's what's messing you up. And they just won't, they, it's zero carb. They just can't make that connection. Right. And, and I think there's even the natural sweeteners that can irritate the gut too. So, um, you know, I think that actually can fall into two buckets is mm -hmm. the, the toxins for artificial sweeteners and also the irritants for, for things like xylitol, um, you know, there are, would that be, would that be one too? It could be, it could be. And again, I think probably, you know, depends on the person and the level of their gut damage that they're currently in. I mean, some people you hear, they have the iron stomach, right? That nothing bothers them. And that may actually be true um, because they're not in that pre-compromised state. Mm -hmm. So they can probably handle a bit more. Uh, And this is where it gets into an argument. I think with people where, you know, the, some folks say, oh, the vegetables are terrible for you. And then you have the folks that go, no, 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 you're crazy. And they're great for you. And I think it depends on the person, the person. because there was a place where, ter- where vegetables were just terrible for me and would tear me up. And now I do okay with certain vegetables. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that addition and, um, sweeteners, thickeners, you know, I'm going to put those all in the irritant bucket that they, uh, they're so prevalent. And this is, I think one of the best things about the carnivore diet is that it largely removes all of them. All that stuff. Yeah. Cause it's not like you can say, um, what's a carnivore substitute for cheesecake, right? There's no carnivore substitute for cheesecake. So I don't have to worry about, right. Is it, is it carnivore? Well, no, cheesecake is not like it's cheesecake. The whole idea is to right. not eat those things in the first place. So, yeah. And I think too, this is an interesting thing that comes up is that it's not the same with keto because keto people still, cause I did keto and I still had inflammatory bowel yes. um, because keto still includes a lot of the irritating veggies. It includes artificial sweeteners like crazy and the other thing a lot of people do on keto, guilty myself, is making these like desserts and things out of nut flowers, which are loaded with gut irritants. Yeah. And, so yeah, and a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff too also needs, you know, xanthan gum or some other type yeah. of thing to try to, well, we got to do this and replace flour, yep. replace this, like replace all the bad stuff with other stuff that's not necessarily any mm-hmm. better. But because yeah. it's natural or something, I, I, I've not quite understood that. Um, okay. Wow. So much good stuff. Um, let's get to my list now. We actually knocked off a couple of things on the list. All right. Diet sodas are no good. Foods, GMOs, gums, and maltodextrin. Um, let's talk about, because we touched on it a little bit already. You mentioned collagen as a, as a, Prebiotic or probiotic? Um, prebiotic. prebiotic. So prebiotic, yeah. what's going to feed the good bugs, right? And I think yep. that there's better luck with prebiotics than probiotics out there, mostly because the probiotics, oftentimes, you know, we're looking at something that is a, a live bacteria or should be live, but it never makes it through the gut, you know, acids and all of that. So um, the only probiotics that I really have had good success with are those that are based on a spore. 
Um, okay. So the spore-based probiotics, um, I know Thrive is awesome. I, I, they're kind enough to extend a discount from my clients. So Uh, or my followers. So that's on my Instagram, but they're great. And there's others out there that are spore based probiotics. So that's one I would probably lean towards. And then of course, um, you know, prebiotics are those fibers that feed various bacteria. So the more variety you have, the more variety of bacteria you have. So can we talk then about, so we have good bacteria and we have, there's millions of different types, right? There's, I mean, there's just a ton of different types of bacteria. Nobody's got the same profile. Everyone's got something that's a little different, but it all functions. It's all there for the same reason. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that I get almost regularly, and I actually, this is kind of funny. I actually just found out recently. So I coach CrossFit classes at a local gym and I came into... Uh, the, at the end of a class that I wasn't coaching, I came into workout at the end of a class and I walked in the door and the class that was there was like, oh, there he is. And I was like, what do you mean there I am? Like they were talking about me apparently in this class and come to find out they were talking about me the way that I eat. And the question had come up amongst this group of people, what my poops must be like. So this whole class <laughs> that I wasn't even there, everyone's talking about nice. my poop, right? <laughs> And they're trying to figure out like, how often does he go? I don't understand how he does it without, without fiber and like all this other kind of stuff. But I figured, so let's definitely talk about that because it's a common question. It's a common topic. How do you have good gut health? If you're not eating fiber, if you're not doing all these extra things to add fiber to your diet, how can you have good health, good gut health? And I try to explain to people that the absence of all of the, the negative things is what's actually allowing the gut flora to grow and be yeah. and thrive and be healthy. And, and there's actually things in meat that can do that. Collagen being one of them, like it's, it's there. Yeah. So can we, yeah, let's talk about that. So fiber has a couple different places in the diet. Um, there's a great book called the fiber menace, which really helps this understanding of, we don't need fiber to poop, right? That's the whole idea. People think that they need it to stay regular. Yeah. Um, so that is not the case. What we need it for is to feed bacteria and to remove toxins from the gut. So um, there are fibers in meat. It's a lot different, right? We have, there's soluble and insoluble fiber. Mm-hmm. So the soluble fiber is in a lot of different foods. It's in meats, it's in gelatins. Um, though it's in some vegetables, like the vegetables that are better for people with gut issues, um, carrots, cooked mushrooms, you know, there are fibers that are non-cellulose that are helpful and they do help. They've been shown to pull exogenous estrogens. So estrogen that tries to pull up in the colon can be removed with those kind of fibers. You don't have to eat kale salads. You just need to have some kind of fiber to pull it out. And carrots are a great one for that. There's been research to support that. Um, Cooked mushrooms do the similar thing and they also kill bacteria in the gut. So there is a purpose in that regard and the, and different fibers do feed different gut bacteria, good ones. Right. Um, so the bad toxins are, can also be fed, but mostly we want to keep the balance there. There's always going to be a good and bad, and we just want to keep them in balance on the flip side. This, the insoluble fiber is the one I mentioned earlier. Um, cellulose in particular is very damaging to the, to the gut. It's like going through your intestines with a bristle brush. 
We yeah. just don't have the ability to digest it. And so, um, so one, people think that they need it to stay regular. You do not. Part of the reason why people like what makes you poop? Well, couple things. You get a contraction that naturally occurs in your gut. It's called peristalsis. Um, for some people, that's damaged from poor diet and not, you know, maybe they're taking too many laxatives. They can actually get nerve damage. Um, and then the other thing is um, we are, so that happens naturally. And then also, you know, are your intestines lubricated? Are your stools dried out? So this is like water, right? And so most of your stool is actually water and fiber. So for people that take out the fiber, they're still going to go to the bathroom. They just have a lot less of it. Mm -hmm. So the volume goes down. Right. Um, and that's what and, I and noticed, this, right? When I, when I went, cause I had IBS, I had, I had the uh, spontaneous, I don't even know what you want to call it, but I could be at anywhere at any point in time and be like, I will be right back because you don't want to. Yeah. Be, boom. It hits you. Yeah. It hits you. Um, so I went from that to, you know, once a day I I've got, so I have a six pack roll of toilet paper. This is probably too much information. A six pack roll of toilet paper that I have had literally since August of last year. Oh, wow. Right? Because I yeah. don't use that much toilet paper. I, I live by myself. So it's not like there's a lot of people. But, right. <laughs> I mean, since since mid pandemic, when all the toilet paper was disappearing, I had oh. one bad, one thing of it that I had. I just yeah. I don't use it compared yeah, guys. to before that would have lasted me like a week and a half. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, um, healthy bowel movements are happening, you know, one to three times a day. And so it depends on the person. If you're going a lot more than that, you probably have an irritable bowel. If you're yeah. not going, you know, you're probably on the um, irritable bowel constipation side. So um, IBSC. And, and it shouldn't take 25, 30 minutes every time you go either. No, no. Okay. So yeah, that's where be. I was. Like I would go three or four times oh, yeah. a day and it was like, I'll so let just you know when I'm done. Like if it's so hard to pass your stools, like what it's doing to the intestines, you know, it's, right. it's not a good situation, but yeah, I think that the people have this expectation that the more you go is better. You know, it's only going to be more if you're eating more and more soluble and more fiber that is not broken down. So, um, you know, one to three times a day is what I would say is the best thing for people. If you're not going enough, there can be issues with the type of food. There can be hydration issues. Mm -hmm. There can be thyroid issues too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's definitely um, multiple things to consider with, you know, how many times you have a bowel movement. Yeah. And we don't need to get into it now, but I'm sure there's probably a whole nother talk we can get into about diagnose using your poop to diagnose your status and yeah and things right there's all kinds <laughs> yeah, of i think there's a science to that for sure <laughs> <laughs> we will not get into that one today um all right so fiber is definitely something um and correct me if i'm wrong but there's been a handful of studies that actually show that fiber can be detrimental that it can be a cause for things like diverticulitis colon cancer and a bunch of other stuff um, yeah, that it's, it's actually more negatively affecting those conditions than, than positively. affecting. Yeah. And it's the fiber that we don't break down. It's that insoluble fiber. You know, I would warn people to watch out for those leafy greens, watch out for the uh, nuts and seeds and and legumes. You know, um, legumes have more soluble fiber, but still uh, anything that you can't break down very well, I think is a threat to your gut. 
So that that is my concern for folks. And yes, I do believe there's some research. That book that I recommended, um, Fiber Menace, has some research in it mm-hmm. about fiber. And why are we told to get 25 grams of fiber a day? I do not know. Uh, To me, it's extremely excessive. And if you're someone who has an inflammatory bowel disease, uh, insanely, I just can't even understand. That's what the recommendation is, is to get more fiber, which imagine, okay, let's send this Brillo pad down your digestive system when it's already inflamed, you know, the... I want to tell people if you've if you have an inflammatory bowel disease and you've not seen the pictures from a from a uh, colonoscopy, it's like you know when you fall down and scrape your knee, and that knee has a big you know flat scrape on it and it's trying to heal itself by creating a mucous membrane and, and right and then it's and, yeah. yeah that that's to such delicate tissue that's kind of like what the inside of your intestines are like so you're not going to want to go scrubbing at it right Right. you you have to be um you have to be careful and so that would that's what i tell people with with the fiber just you know again it goes back to common sense versus just doing what you're told think about it use your critical thinking a little research and how do you feel like how do you feel when you eat Stuff. I guarantee you, the folks that I've had that have tried to reintroduce foods too quickly and eat fibrous foods too quickly, they're running to the bathroom. So right away, that should tell you, your body is not happy with that. Right. Um, and I think a lot of this is that, you know, just being yeah. able to tap into and listen to the body's cues. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's talk about what's next on my list here. All right, because you also, I, I love your posts. You have so much good stuff and we're very much aligned with things. And it seems like lately you've been posting about stuff that I'm also talking about. So it's kind of cool. Um, you, nice. had a recent, you had a recent post about alcohol and how alcohol oh. is toxic and, and messes things up. Let's talk about that. So I talk about okay. alcohol from the perspective of two, two things mostly. One, that it's, it's an inflammatory substance, yeah. right? It, it, it increases the stress response, cortisol is increased and all this other stuff. Um, then I also talk about it from the, the aspect of the oxidative priority and that when you eat alcohol, it kind of basically takes over and everything else, everything else you're trying to metabolize just stops and alcohol has got to get pushed first. So if you're trying to lose body fat and you drink alcohol, your body's going to say, okay, let's stop trying to burn fat. Now we got to burn this alcohol first. And it kind of defeats the whole process. So those are kind of two ways I look at it. What are, how do you look at it from a gut perspective and what alcohol does to your gut? So um, alcohol, in, in my perspective, falls into all three of the buckets that cause <laughs> gut damage, right? So okay. triple whammy, we've got yeah. the toxin because let's be real, it's a toxin. There mm-hmm. is zero amount of alcohol that is healthy for you. That yeah. is a um not wine, not vodka, not beer. None of it has anything in there that's health promoting. Okay. And this idea of a glass of wine every day is healthy for you is just nonsense. That's just propaganda. Um, The reality is it's toxic. And so while our body can handle and process it, and we're not going to die off a glass of wine, you are putting fuel on the fire. So Uh, Again, toxins are going to create that inflammation. 
it's also a gut irritant. If, if you think about that scraped knee and you pour alcohol on that, how's that going to feel? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I've not, never thought that, about that before. That's crazy. Right? You're right. Absolutely. You know, does it happen exactly like that? We pour it down our throat, it goes through. No, but it's something you're putting into your body that is going to irritate your, your body. Yeah. And yes, it can irritate, um, you know, indirectly irritate your gut. And then thirdly, it's stress on the body in a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. One, it, it increases the stress hormone because it's a toxin going into your body. Yep. It also impair people's sleep. And as you know, sleep is probably one of the most important things for healing every day, right? For even for the average person, the sleeping hours are when your body rebuilds, right? We build our muscle when we sleep, right. we, we heal tissues, we rebalance we detoxify. So, so much um, critical function happens in our sleeping hours. And if you've ever, ever had a sleepless night, you know how you feel the next day? Tired, cranky, yep. angry, blood sugar's a mess, um, yeah. cortisol is high, so you're craving carbs all day. There's a lot of problems um, that come just from the sleep alone. And I know that most people, if they think about it, will a glass of wine knock you out? Maybe, but how are you going to sleep through the rest of the night? Right. Well, there's being knocked out and then there's actually getting good sleep, right? You talk about the ranges of sleep, REM totally and light and deep and all that kind of stuff. You're never getting into light and deep. Like you may be in REM the whole time. You're never getting that actual anabolic state that you need yeah. to increase testosterone, increase growth hormone and, and all that other kind of stuff. And that's where it's a double whammy on the, the negative side when it comes to metabolism, because it is a stress inducer, like you said, cortisol goes up, it yep. doesn't let you sleep. So not only is that, but it's also catabolic, which means it's not helping you grow, it's taking away. Right. Which mm -hmm. when you combine the two of those with also not getting sleep, now you're increasing the amount of time that you're in catabolic state instead of yeah. anabolic state. And it just kind of compounds and builds. Yeah. Well, so. and, no, and I think of I think of also like I'm concerned about what it does to your liver. Is it, you know, one drink going to damage your liver? I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows, but I do know that your liver is important for filtering out toxins of your body, which is a major cause of inflammation. Right. Um, so that's a concern, but I know the sleep issue is a big one. I mean, I don't, I almost never drink because, you know, it wasn't long ago. I had friends over and we, everyone was having drinks and I had one drink and yeah. I was pissed at myself the next day. Cause I was like, shit, I slept terrible. And I, I don't want to waste <laughs> one like that. So yes, um, that is definitely how it affects me. And I know lots of people that have been in that same boat, but there's just no upside to it. So, um, you know, when I put that post out, I had somebody say, please don't cancel alcohol right now. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we need help. We need a crutch. And yeah. let me say, I hear you. I hear you, but that is not the, the best choice. Um, yeah. So moderation i hate that word because it's, it it's sort of I hate it. like, it's like let's allow this thing that's not good for you and expect great results yeah so but i mean just, the, yeah but there is the realism the realistic you know viewpoints you have to have on there are some things that you know we we perfection is not possible and when you strive for that you set yourself up for some failure so you kind of have to find that balance of what can i live with what's going to hurt me what's going to not right. hurt me um, and totally. going, I think the focus is going into it, knowing what's going to happen with the decision you make. And then you yeah. have a choice to be okay with that or not. Right. So I know if I have this glass of wine, I'm not going to sleep well. I'm probably going to have a hangover tomorrow, whatever. 
that's okay. I'll get back on track tomorrow. I just want to enjoy myself and have this wine. Okay. Yes. And also, you know, from the coach's standpoint, I'll say this when folks do drink and the next day feel like crap, it's also an affirmation that they don't want it. It's that it's a, it's a negative reinforcement. So they do it less and less, you know, and, and they kind of have to get that realization. Like it'll be a long time before I do it again. And then I'll forget (laughs) how crappy I felt. Let me try it. And I'll get that reminder and then it'll be a long time again. So, you know, no, we're not going to be perfect, but I think um, when you start to realize the impact and also the further you come across in your healing journey, you get to a point where you're feeling, remember, we talked about that continuum. Most people are way down here. And when you start to move along, um, you get a setback and you feel it when you get sent way back. It's way more impactful. Right. When you're living yeah. down here and you, you know, don't sleep well, it's like you're daily. You get, oh, I feel like crap again. It's yep. your norm. But when you start to heal and feel a lot better and blood sugars balanced and all those things fall into place, when you get a hiccup, it hurts more. Yeah. Absolutely. So. absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we're both on the same sheet of music with alcohol. Um, can you talk real quick um, about? I got two more things on my list. One, let's talk about gut and immune system and immune health. And then the other one is there's some things going around lately that I've been seeing about something called mucoid plaque. And I want you to talk about that. Oh. Possible. <laughs> I knew that. I expected that face. Um, so let's talk about gut and immune system real quick. Okay. So tell us what it is. Right. How is. How is your immune system and your gut tied into each other? Okay. So most of your immune system is in your gut. So your immune system is, let's just talk on a basic level, is highly influenced by your microbiota. So the gut bacteria, right? You have bacteria both in your gut and on your skin. So I'm just going to take this second to say, please don't put sanitizer on your hand. This is your immune system. (laughs) You're killing it. Right. Yeah. So wash your hands. That's cool. But no killing of the germs and bacteria on your hand because you actually need that. Um, So on our skin, because that's how we protect ourselves too, right? Our skin can kill bacteria. Um, We balance ourselves out and uh, in the gut is majority of where that lives. It gets thrown off by medications. you know, not eating enough foods in probiotic form to feed it, that will change Mm it. Um, Sugar can change it, you know, excessive amounts of sugar and also antibiotics. So one of the biggest impacts is antibiotic resistance that we are seeing um, around the world. But this happens from taking, you know, excessive antibiotics. um, And there are a time and a place for antibiotics and we do need them, but we need them to work. And if we use them too much, they don't work. Um, one of the reasons is because it's in our food, it's in hand sanitizers, it's in soaps, it's in our water supply. We are exposed through many different ways to antibiotics, not just through a prescription. Mm-hmm. So, um, because of that, we've all been affected to, to some extent in terms of how much our gut can handle, um, our bacteria being off. So now we've got a weakened gut, right. From some degree of antibiotics. and then coming back to this balance, we don't have as much of the good bacteria, the the guys that do more of the fighting for us. Um, if we're not feeding them and if we've killed off 
much of our microflora with with antibiotics. So yeah. that's one part. You know, our immune system is multi levels. So here's the misconception that I think is important to call out is people think that, first of all, I think people have forgotten entirely that we have an immune system, you know, <laughs> the, the, the lengths that we're going to these it's days is simple. Crazy talk. Right, right. So I won't go there, but you all know what I'm talking about. And yeah. um, we have an immune system, by the way, we are, we are made of viruses and bacteria. There's trillions of them that we're exposed to every day. And we want that. That is how we build our immunity. That's what our immune system is made on is being exposed. The body creates antibodies. It's what makes us stronger. So I really fear that um, the germaphobe mentality that we've been indoctrinated with is going to really hurt us because we need to be exposed, right? Like, you know, when we were kids, I bet you dropped some food on the ground, you picked it up and brushed it off and ate it. And no big deal. But you know, now it's like, you can't even shake somebody's hand, um, for fear of germs, but really we need all of this bacteria to build our immune system. So there's multiple levels, right? We, the gut is just a piece of it, but it is a big piece of it. You know, our body makes our killer cells. It is so smart. We are equipped with pretty much everything we need to fight off most, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, invade should we need it. Um, so um, with regards to the gut, it really comes down to that microflora, that you know, balance of gut bacteria. I think of 70 or 80% of your immune system is in you know, your gut. So Yeah, so the, the way that your body responds to those external things, like that control yeah. center is in the gut, all of that stuff kind of happens there. Right, and you can't just throw probiotics at it and, and then expect it to be, you know, the immune system, because you need to foster the gut health that will accept and build the right. living organ, right? So a lot of people and think they're just going to probiotic and fix it, but it doesn't right. work that way. Right. Oh, the other piece too, is you have to remove the cause of any inflammation and stress. Yeah. So if you're, it's like, it's like, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's like, if you're trying to drive a car, your, your body, your gut is trying to drive your car, but you've got kids in the backseat. You're trying to put your makeup on, eat your breakfast turn up the music, you know, your spouse is next to you talking, whatever it is, all these things are happening at the same time. And you wonder why you get into an accident. Yeah. If you take all that other stuff out and just let yourself, let your, let your gut drive the car like it's supposed to, it's going to work and do what it's supposed to do. It's the environment, right? Like we, we have an environment that we need to create. It's not about just sending in, it's just like micronutrients, right? We, you have an environment and a balance in there. You can't just send in a mineral and expect everything else to be fine. It, everything has a perfect little balance. And with regards to gut health, this is why I think, you know, set the tone, reduce the stress, you know, eat the right foods. You got to be exercising. There's a whole thing here that creates gut health and also in creating, um, you know, a healthy microflora or bacterial balance. And we do need all kinds. Um, so for that reason, I think, you know, people need to understand that when you're taking antibiotics and medications, um, you're, you're, you're putting yourself at risk 
of weakening your immune system. So it's less about the inflammatory condition of your, of your gut lining, although I think that does play a role, um, but it's more about keeping your natural bacteria in place, feeding that bit bacteria mm -hmm. and eliminating things that kill it off. Yeah. Is there enough, because this is the ultimate question that I get asked, is there enough things in, is there enough, what's the best thing? Is the carnivore diet enough to sustain a healthy gut? Well, so in the different types of bacteria that live in your gut, they all have a different food, right? Like imagine you've got a horse and a rabbit and a dog and a cat, and they all eat different foods, right? Sure. To thrive. So your gut bacteria is kind of like that, where there's different kinds of bacteria and they need a different food to thrive. So mm -hmm. this is why you see people that, um, you know, they are changing their diet drastically and they get a lot of diarrhea, you know, um, their microflora is really changing. And so if you are on a carnivore diet, you're not feeding the guys that thrive off of plant fibers. Mm -hmm. So those guys will probably diminish. Yeah. Um, so you're feeding different kinds of bacteria. Um, so that's important to recognize that it's not one total bucket of fiber and, and, and um, prebiotic, right? It's mm -hmm. different kinds, feeding different kinds of bacteria. And I do think that, uh, you know, the research shows that the more variety of bacteria in your gut, the better mm -hmm. your gut health. Okay and immune function and everything else, everything that goes into gut health from our, the very beginning of our conversation mm -hmm. does, um, you know, it does matter. So I, I personally have used, and I think a great way for the carnivore diet to be in, used is to heal, to mm -hmm. take out the irritants. Um, I know people thrive on it for many years, I personally like to see people start to include more types of foods as mm -hmm. they're able to increase the different mic microflora, yeah. um, you know, for, yeah. for those kind of reasons. And, and we don't need, you know, we, we could get into that whole debate about carbohydrates and, and, you know, can your body make glucose? Yes, we all know that. But, um, but I do think there is some purpose for the other foods and, and, you know, it's important to know which ones. Mm -hmm. and, and how much, and, and how it's going to be different you. and how they affect you. And that's yeah. why they're, I always say, you know, it's just, there is just no one size fits all. And I know everybody wants that. Tell me what to eat, give me the <laughs> recipe, but it just, it's we're all a different, we're all at different places, right? So it's gotta be different yeah. for everybody. What, um, have you ever had any clients or people that you work with that do that you said, Hey, let's get you on carnivore for a while and kind of reset. Um, do you do, um, gut tests, gut health tests, microbiome tests, or any of that kind of I stuff don't. to kind of see what diversity people have and things like that? I don't. Um, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. I, I am not a big proponent of a lot of lab work and testing and all of that because um, one, it's expensive for people. Mm -hmm. And it also, you know, lab work changes all the time. You know, your labs, you can get your labs done in one day and the next day your, your actual, the same thing will be different. You just don't know it because you've got a picture in time. So uh, microbiome, um, I think can tell you some things about what you have, you know, what things, foods might irritate you. So some people might find that helpful, but I would rather teach people how to listen to their body, how to 
you know, observe your body's response. Like it, you know, the best way I can say it is if you're having diarrhea every day, do you need a test to tell you that you need to change your diet? <laughs> right. I mean, right. <laughs> so that's why I kind of, Oh go, my gosh, hey. so much common sense. My brain hurts. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like if you want to get a school test, go for it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, so that's my place on it is do it if you yeah. want to. And if you like it, great. But, but also first and foremost, us we should be paying attention to our body's response to what we're doing yeah. yeah okay let's talk about the last thing on my list just because i i have a feeling i know where you're gonna go with this but let's talk about this mucoid plaque um i i see i've seen people talk about you know oh my god this has been amazing i gotta go get this mucoid plaque removed from my intestines that's what is supposedly mucoid plaque and, and why should it be removed okay i'm gonna be real honest here <laughs> i don't I don't know what that is because I have never really found any substance about it. And I'll admit I haven't done exhaustive research on it, yeah, but let me yeah. tell you, um, I have done, I have had a colonoscopy and I've seen others have colonoscopies and see the pictures taken inside the colon and through the intestines yep. and there is no there. Yeah. So if you're fasting, like, look at this, if you fast, two days and do a colon prep all you're you're doing is you're stopping the food from coming in you're flushing out the colon with that colon prep which i don't recommend i mean that's hardcore stuff but yeah. in order to go in and get a clear picture they need the colon clean so what are you doing when you're when you're doing the colon prep you're pooping like crazy right my friend calls it colon blow and that's exactly what it is <laughs> right. it's like, everything out um so if there was this really tough difficult to remove mucoid plaque, I think you'd see it. Right, right. So just practically speaking, I don't know that it exists. Yes, I, okay, just wanna make sure it, someone that's an expert in the field were, is to say that <laughs> I haven't recorded, so I'm, I'm not the only one to say you need to stop. Oh, yeah, someone's gonna come out, someone listening is gonna flip out and yell and uh, you know, they're a believer in that. So I may be wrong, I'm gonna just say, I, I may be wrong, but in all the research that I've done on gut health, which has been quite a lot um, mm -hmm. over the last, I'm gonna say 10 years, because I did a lot of research while I had the colitis and I've done a lot of yep. research since I've healed. And I find it an amazing, fascinating focal point of our health. Um, so I continue to research and I have never come across anything really compelling about mucoid plaque. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> All right. Is we'll there anything have to say? Say that again. We'll see what some of your listeners have to say. Yeah, I'm sure we'll you'll get happens. some. Um, all right. So do you have anything you want to kind of sign off with? I think we got a ton of good information. Um, yeah. you know, I'd love to have you on again, maybe get some kind of feedback from people if they have any additional questions. Uh, maybe we yeah. can talk a little bit more about on the fitness side of things and, and different things, yeah. how you do that. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, do you, you want to incorporate some folks so we can get live questions? Um, yeah. because I think, um, you know, I think, uh, in closing remarks, what I would say is everybody is in a different place. So think about that continuum and where you can place yourself on that continuum. Um, I know very few people that have zero gut problems, um, you know, because they have other 
issues. So I'll know people that say, well, I have no gut problems, but they have rashes. You've got right. a gut problem, right? Yeah. So most people do seem to have some degree of issue. So I think there's an area for improvement for everybody in regards to gut health. Worst case scenario, you follow the protocols to do the best you can for your health and you see some improvement in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say when I talk about gut health and when we discuss this, that don't think it doesn't apply to you just because you don't have an inflammatory bowel disease or a visible problem. You may have other issues and they're most often very connected to gut health. Awesome, thank you very much. Where can people find you? Um, you can visit my website, healthywithnicole.com. You can also okay. visit my YouTube channel for some educational videos, Healthy with Nicole. And then of course my Instagram, where I have some fun and try to post educational tidbits yep. there, um, same handle. And I always invite people to join my newsletter. Um, I, I do put out a lot of content, but I try to put more detail in the newsletter where if you're actually looking at this stuff and you like to read and you like to nerd out on the gut health, um, all of the work I do is research and science-based. So you'll never hear me spout off with um, something I can't support with research like mucoid plaque. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say not just, not just research and science-based, but also makes sense in the big picture. It's practical, right? Practical. It's not just something that because this is a, a, the, the current thing, I'm going to talk about it. It's like, no, this is what actually works and what's applied. Right. right? Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of the Over What Hill 40 Plus podcast. Remember that life is the hill. Keep climbing. Keep growing. Every hill leads to another. You will get better. You can do this.